Welcome to the View from the Penalty Box podcast with Cam Connor. Classic hockey stories from one of hockey's toughest enforcers. Hello, everyone. It's Cam Connor here, and I'm with my son, Chris Connor. Hey there. And I am excited. This is our first podcast. I'm talking from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I hope to entertain you for a little while today. So you might wonder, uh, why is someone who retired in what year, 1984, starting a podcast right now? Uh, and this is the podcast that I never thought would happen because... Uh, been like pulling teeth, right, Dad? Yeah, I don't even want to do it now. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that my dad's noticed is he actually has a lot of Twitter followers and a lot of questions, and a lot of people are asking him to share some stories. And my dad likes to talk, and Twitter is probably the worst venue for telling stories. So I've been bugging him. You got to get on a podcast. You got to start your own. So we finally have episode one. Well, that's true. You know, when I go out for a beer with my buddies on Friday night, they start talking about something and stories just start flowing and they always tell me, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. So, you know, there'll be some uh, decent stories. Uh, I'll do my best to entertain you and uh, let's see where it goes from here. So, uh, Dad, I know you have a decent amount of Twitter followers, but there's going to be a lot of people that are checking this out for the first time that have maybe never heard of you or have heard your name in passing. So for those that need a refresher, uh, tell us a little bit about your career. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit and I'll try not to bore you, but basically let's just say I grew up in Winnipeg and uh, back in those days growing up in Winnipeg, there was very limited indoor arenas. So most of my hockey till about junior was on outdoor ice. All my extra practice was on outdoor ice. And it is flipping cold in Winnipeg and windy in Winnipeg. But um, growing up uh, tall, um, I was uncoordinated. So I had to put in extra time on the ice uh, to try to be a better skater. So I think that's where it all started. Little by little, there was guys that I played with that had way more talent than me. But I probably had more desire and more push just to be better. I didn't have to be the best guy on my team, but I wanted to be one of the better players. And I had the work work ethic, and I was willing to work harder than the next guy in order to just be as good as they were. So out of Winnipeg, I uh, got my big break. I went to Flinflon, Manitoba in the Western uh, Canada Hockey League, was called at the time. And I had a fellow by the name of Patty Janelle as my coach, which was Bobby Clark's coach. And I went to Flinflon and... Um, Previous years playing junior hockey, the coaches, they saw I was an aggressive guy, and they only saw as far as that I could fight. And so I wasn't getting any regular shifts. When I got rough, I got to go out there and play my game, and I, I, I didn't enjoy that part of it. When I got to Flin Flon, my goal wasn't about I got to get drafted this year. My goal was just to make the team. That was all I wanted to do. And little by little, um, all of a sudden, the coach names me captain. And I couldn't believe it as a rookie. And uh, nobody had ever shown that kind of confidence in me before. 
And so I told myself I would never let this gentleman down, ever. So every practice I had to be first in every drill. And during the games, if you pushed one of my guys around on the ice, you had to fight me. And um, so Flimflon, it turned out to be a very successful year for me. Um, I did get a two-game suspension. But one of the things is Flimflon to Winnipeg or to Regina, it's a nine-hour bus ride. So our coach, he had said to us, he didn't care what the score is after the first period. He told us just to run the other team. He wanted them to know that when they come to Flimflon, they are going to be in a hockey game. And so we had a good, tough team. And after eight games, I had no points, and I had 82 penalty minutes and a two-game suspension. Um, I was a little bit crazy back then. Uh, myself and this other guy were trying to go at it on the ice, and we both got kicked out of the game. Do you remember his name? No, I don't, but okay. I, I do remember what I did to him. Okay. And I was a little upset in the dressing room after the game started, so I walked over with my equipment on and my skates, and I beat him up in his dressing room. And they gave me a two-game suspension. And today, if you did that, you'd probably end up getting life. Have you ever heard of another player who went into the other uh, team's locker room for a fight um, before? I don't know of anybody, but maybe if I watch that Slapshot movie again, it might be somebody doing that on there for sure. And maybe in Flin Fon, why don't you talk about uh, the job that they made you have? Well, while in Flin Fon, what I didn't know is when you are 19 years old playing hockey in Flin Flon, you're not going to school, you had to work in the mines in Flin Flon for the Hudson Bay Mining and Smelting Company. My first day of work, I've never forgot it. I was 3,750 feet underground with a hard hat and a power pack with a light and a steel-toed boots and shovel. And so we would have to stay down there and work for four hours in the morning. I think we started something like 6.30 in the morning. Um, we weren't allowed cars in Flin Flon. We were billeted out, so we had to hitchhike or walk everywhere we went. And it was freezing. Take a look where Flin Flon is on the map. Northern Manitoba. It's cold up there. So, anyways, we survived that year. You know what? When you come up from the mines after four hours, you blow your nose. Your Kleenex is completely black. I can't say it's a coal mine, but boy, was there a lot of dust down there. I don't think that was good for anybody's health. From Flin Flon, you know, that was my draft year. Um, I swear to God, I never even thought about getting drafted. My goal in Flin Flon was, like I said, just to make the team. And I just had to make my coach proud for naming me captain because there was guys on the team. He'd been there since they were 16, and he got criticized for naming me captain. So, again, I could not let this man down. And it was uh, probably a month before the season was over, and I was reading a hockey news, and it said Camp Connor will be a first-round draft choice in the NHL and a first-round draft choice in the World Hockey Association. And I swear, I have to read that article five times. I just didn't believe it. So I got on the phone, and I phoned my father up in Winnipeg. I said, Dad. Go buy the hockey news. You're not even going to believe what it said. And sure enough, um, at the NHL draft, back in those days, they didn't put you on TV and parade you up on the stage. You just got a phone call. I was in my backyard, and I got a phone call. And uh, it was my agent phoned, and he said, you were number five in the NHL draft, and you were Montreal Canadiens' number one draft choice. And that year, Montreal had five number one draft choices. And I was the number fifth, which was their number one pick. 
I believe Doug Riseborough was number seven. Mario Trombley was number eight. Rick Chartra was roughly number 12 pick. And I can't remember who the 18th pick was. But you didn't actually end up playing in Montreal, which is the topic of the day for us. Is Why would you decide not to play for Montreal? Well, Chris, you might not believe this, but growing up, I honestly could say that I view piece, every piece of the NHL back when I was young. There was only six teams in the National League. And I would rather play sports than watch it. That was football, baseball, soccer, hockey. I played them all. Um, but I never watched it on TV. I just wanted to play the sports. And hockey, I probably only watched a total of maybe two NHL games. So, you know, that didn't factor in. My buddies would say to me, well, you're going to Montreal, aren't you? And I said, oh, I don't know. And basically what happened was... Montreal offered me a three-year contract. They had a lot of money. And Phoenix of the World Hockey had my rights. And it's pretty interesting, um, as I find out, Phoenix was not in the World Hockey the year before. So the year I went to Phoenix, it was their first year in the National League in the World Hockey. And they never had any scouts, so they didn't even know who to draft. So what they said was, Montreal Canadiens always have good draft choices. So whoever Montreal drafts number one, we'll just buy the guy. So my agent told me that I signed the largest contract ever for a junior hockey player coming out of Canada. I think you actually tweeted that a picture of that article if anyone's interested in taking a look. That's true. And so uh, I won't give you all the details, but Montreal Canadiens in 1974 offered me 150000 to sign my contract. And the World Hockey Phoenix Roadrunners offered me 200000 And if you look at today's dollars, that's over a million, million bucks. Bottom line is, I asked my agent, I said, okay, is that Montreal's final offer? And he said, it is. And is that Phoenix's final offer? And it is. So, I know that if I went to Montreal, I'd be a household name. But I didn't care. I'd rather have the money in the bank. So I said, I'll go to the World Hockey. As it turned out, um, I got a phone call. Scotty Bowman and a guy named Sam Pollock was the general manager, who was the best in the world, Sam. They were driving back from Buffalo, and they stopped in at a gas station, I was told, and they picked up a Toronto Golden Mail. And there it said, Montreal's first draft choice, Camp Connor, is going to go to the World Hockey. So... Somehow they got a hold of my f- girlfriend's phone number, and I was, who is my wife now, um, called me at, at her house. And Scotty Bowman, when he gets excited, he talks a mile a minute. And he said to me, Cam, Cam, what are you doing? He said, you're going to be on Guy Lafleur's line. You know, I was 19 years old, but I realized, you know, once you sign a contract, you do whatever they want with you. And I just said, well, Scotty, uh, this is what you offered me, and this is what they offered me. And he said, it's money, that's all? I said, yeah. He said, did you sign with them? I said, no, I didn't sign with them yet. He said, stay on the phone. I'm going to go get you another $200,000 right now. And I said, well, Scotty, I can't. He said, you said you didn't sign with them. I said, I didn't. I said, but I gave them my word. Scotty said, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. You didn't sign, so legally you can still come with us. Hang on, I'll go get you some more money. 
And I'm pretty proud of myself at 19. And I'm still, I have my faults, but I'm not a dishonest guy. And, uh, you know, when we shake a handshake on a deal, uh, I'm still that way. Uh, if I made the deal, that's, that's what it's going to be. So I just told uh, Scotty, I'm sorry, sir, but um, I've given Phoenix my word that I'll play for them. Now, in hindsight, that was my biggest mistake I ever made in my hockey career. I should have gone right to Montreal Canadiens. And um, I think things would have turned out a lot better for me than they did. So, And for the, for the people that actually don't know what the World Hockey Association was like, what would you say WHA was like? Well, you saw that movie Slapshot. It was probably, you know, it was way better hockey than that, but it was rough hockey. Um, you know, I mean, the NHL was rough hockey too, but this was at another level. It was it was crazy rough hockey and uh, just a good example. And, you know, I'm going to start talking later in another podcast about the different teams and maybe specific games, but just... Uh, here, here's an example how rough hockey uh, drew more fans than, than uh, just a good hockey game back in those days anyways. There was a team called Minnesota Fighting Saints, and they had the toughest team in pro hockey. They had a lot of crazy hockey players, which was mostly the guys from the movie Slapshot. They brought them up to play against our team, and we had a bench brawl, and I had probably four or five fights in that bench brawl. And that's probably like a friggin' street brawl. There's total chaos on that ice, and it goes probably for 25 minutes. And uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on on that ice. So we had a big brawl with them, and uh, we had to go back to their rink this time about a week later. And it was funny that that the Minnesota Fighting Saints played out of, out of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and the Minnesota North Stars, they also played there in Minnesota. And uh, there was that night that we were playing, the, the Phoenix Road Runners were playing Minnesota Fighting Saints. The Montreal Canadiens, the Stanley Cup, was taken on the Minnesota North Stars just, you know, 20 miles away. They drew just about 6,000 to their game. We had somewhere in the area of 19,000 to watch us play. And um, they had the, in the movie, it's called the Hanson Brothers. But in real life, they're called the Carlson Brothers. And so, you know, they were, they were, they were on one line and they were aggressive. They couldn't go down the ice without one of them falling down. That's, and you know, they were there just there for fighting. So that's what the world hockey was all about. It was really aggressive hockey. There were some, you know, good finesse games, but overall you had to keep your head up for sure. So... I won't go into a lot more details on, uh, you know, the different teams and specific games, but uh, that was probably my biggest mistake was going to the World Hockey and, and, and not, not the NHL. Yeah, so this episode is just going to be uh, pretty quick. We just wanted to let everyone know that we are recording a podcast. There's lots of stories to share. But I know before we go that, Dad, you wanted to share a couple stories of one of your really close <coughs> friends, Dave Semenko who recently passed away. So if you uh, want to take this time to share some some stories. You know, Dave and I, we met on the ice, and if you follow my Twitter page, you noticed, I mean, it said in there, 
I was Dave Semenko or Dave. I was Dave's first fight, his first shift in pro hockey, and he was my third fight that shift. And so that's how I got to know Dave Semenko. Um, we played together years later in Edmonton, and uh, we became teammates. And so it's interesting how that goes. When you're on the other team or he's on the other team, you know, you don't like each other. And you got to, you know, you got to keep your head up for either one of us coming at you. And as soon as you're on the same team, you walk over that dressing room and there's a mutual admiration. You're glad we're playing together. You shake hands. And Dave and I lived about 30 seconds apart in Edmonton. And, um, you know, we became I, I, very, very tight. We play tennis and racquetball just about daily in the off season. And uh, I have nothing but good things to say about Dave. Dave was one of those witty guys. You know, I don't think Dave read the newspaper every day, but I guarantee you, you do not want to cha- trade wit with Dave. He was, the way he thinks, you know, I don't even know where some of the stuff he said came from. It was hilarious. And I don't think you'll find anybody that played Dave with Dave that would ever say a bad thing about him. He was a wonderful guy to have on your team. And being a fighter on a team is not fun. You know, everything from you have to do all the dirty work and uh, the fights never stop coming. You break your hands enough time. When you go to negotiate a new contract, even though you're pretty valuable for that team, they'll say to you, well, how many goals did you get? Well, you didn't really contribute point-wise. And they'll knock you and keep you from making money and your true value is not in goals and assists. And you can ask anybody that's had a tough guy on the team. And they'll tell you how valuable these guys are. So it's not a fun job. Dave did what he had to do. And he had a long career. And he was with the Oilers on their payroll for probably 40 years. And that's how valuable he was for that organization on and off the ice. They all loved him. But there is one story that uh, before we wrap this up, I'd like to talk about Dave. And I had Dave out for lunch not too long ago, and I asked Dave, I said, when I played in Houston in the WHA, the coach came up to me, his name was Bill Deneen, and he said, Cam, you're from Winnipeg. I said, yeah. He said, do you know a guy named Dave Semenko? And I said, no, there's about three or four year difference between Dave and I. And Dave was playing as an overage junior junior for Brandon Weekings at the time. Now, let me back this up. When I had some eggs out for lunch, I said, Dave, do you know how you got to Edmonton? He goes, well, yeah, I got traded. I said, well, sort of. So back to the coach. So, you know, Smeg's playing. He said, well, you know, I'm wondering if he's a good hockey player or not, if we should keep him. We have his rights in the WHA. And Glenn Sather in Edmonton really wants this guy, and I don't know if I should trade him. So... I said, well, i got some buddies of mine in Winnipeg that go to all the junior games. Did you want me to make a phone call just to see um, if they know of some inks and what they could tell us about them? And he said, would you mind doing that? So I phoned up my buddy Riley, who is uh, 22 or 23 years old. He's an electrician with CN Railways. And I went over the story about our coach, Bill Benin, asking about Semenko. And he said, well, you know, Brandon Weekings are coming into Winnipeg. For two games this week. I'll go watch and I'll call you and give you my opinion. And so a week later, my buddy Riley calls me in Houston. 
and he said, he said, Cam, I watched Semenko, and he said, uh, he said some swear words, which I better not say, but he said he's freaking awful. He said, trade the guy. So I'm telling Semenko the story, and Semenko said, wait a second, wait a second. He said, you mean some freaking guy from CN Railway determined my hockey future? And you know what? I started laughing, and I said, you know what, Dave? That's a true story. That's how you ended up in Edmonton. And you should probably thank my buddy Riley, who didn't think you were a good hockey player because your career would never have been the same if you weren't in Edmonton. So we're going to end this with an idea that I want to run past you, Dad. What if we put a couple choices on your Twitter page and we'll let people decide what the next topic will be for the podcast? Well, I'll tell you, Chris, that would help me quite a bit. Um, you know, in Edmonton, I, I work in the camp catering business for a company called Horizon North. And one of our big clients in Grand Prairie, they asked if uh, Semenks and I could go to Grand Prairie and uh, just entertain them, tell some stories. And, you know, so Dave and I did go there, and we spent two and a half hours of telling stories. And honest to God, we were in our glory. It was it was so much fun for, for Dave and I, never mind the people listening. And so... They said, well, I said, well, what do you want us to do? And, and, and my client said, well, just start telling stories. And I said, well, you can't just start telling stories. I said, how about if you ask some questions? And then once you started asking questions, things start to flow. And that's exactly how they started. We had about 45 people in this boardroom. And they started asking some questions. And then one thing leads to another. And we started flowing. And again, two and a half. We could have talked two more hours. And... um I was telling Semenks, maybe we should get on the road with this act. I said, it was damn funny today. We could make 10, 10 grand real quick. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, if you guys got any topics or anything you want me to discuss, if you got 50 questions that come in, we'll write them all down and let's go to town. And I guess uh, we've been talking about your Twitter page a lot, but uh, if you want to follow my dad, it's Cam Connor NHL. So uh, I guess we'll, until next time. I'm Chris. I'm Cam.